Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Steve Vasturia, former big man for Notre Dame. It's the holidays. It's December. Christmas is rapidly approaching. Steve Vasturia, if you Google him or if you know what he already looks like, he looks like the Grinch. So we're calling him Steve the Grinch Vasturia. He's got that sharp nose, small mouth, beady little eyes. Steve Vasturia subscribes, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon, distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. So, Shark, I know you've seen this film before. Taylor, question. Have you ever seen the Boondock Saints? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. I haven't seen, like, any movie ever. And you know that, which is specifically why you asked me that question. So, Well, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, you're you're pretty much our analytics guy. Shark and I will be the theater guys. But <laughs> the reason... I'm, I'm, I'm reading, like, college basketball reference while you guys are watching movies. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I was I was watching Love Actually right after Ooh. we had referenced it during Love Monday Night Game. Exist. <laughs> That's overkill. You've done it. So it's, it's 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 wrong. By the way, you're misquoting the film. <laughs> Just letting you know it's there. All right. Well, so the reason I bring up Boondock Saints is well, first of all, it's it's a theater about 
vigilante justice. And so Willem Dafoe plays this agent called Agent Smecker. And there's a scene where he goes to the confessional. And of course, Rocco, one of the unhinged unhinged guys, he takes the, the priest hostage. But regardless, in this scenario right now, after that Michigan State Duke game, I am Willem Dafoe. And I have a confession. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I fucked up completely on Michigan State. I was wrong about them. They stink. They stink. They're done. Well, maybe not done, but they they do stink. Uh, Michigan State Duke. Let me give you some thoughts on that game. It was it was an awful game. Not competitive at all. Entering the season when people circled this on their calendars, it was supposed to be a top four matchup. Instead, we got a number ten Duke versus a number eleven Michigan, which is still pretty tasty. But it didn't live up to the hype. It was a blowout pretty much from, I don't know, 10 minutes left in the first half onward. And so I don't know how you host Duke for the first time in 16 years and shit your pants like that, like like Sparty did. It was it was a little bit disappointing if if I'm Izzo's group, uh, group, excuse me. And then another thing I took away from this game is they can't do anything on offense. They're just morbidly terrible on offense. Uh, going stretches without any points, relying way too much on Cassius Winston, uh, Xavier Tillman, Aaron Henry, Kyle Aarons. Where the hell have you guys been? Not doing anything to help. Uh, I apologize for going scorched earth right now. Typically, we ease into the program, but I'm just very upset at Michigan State right now. Uh, so another, again, we'll we'll circle all back to this, but another point I wanted to make it was the Vernon Carey show. Biggest point that needs to be made is Trey Jones completely outplayed Cassius Winston, uh, went into East Lansing, shit on Cassius, and embarrassed, uh, what's his name, Foster Lawyer, with a with a crossover. Lawyer falls on his back. Trey Jones steps on him, gets the foul call as well. The only saving grace really was that Draymond Green's jersey retirement got ruined uh, after all the shit he was talking about, Paul Pierce, and how you know the retirement tour, and then... Twitter going crazy about how the Cavs ruined Paul Pierce's jersey retirement night. I'm glad Draymond, his Michigan State Spartans, uh, sucked. So, again, that was word vomit right there. I went off on a tangent, but uh, that game stunk. It was terrible. I was wrong about Michigan State, and I was slightly wrong about Cash, or, uh, Trey Jones as well. Trey Jones finished with a double-double, outplayed the best point guard in the country on the road. You could tell the Elite Eight matchup was still in his head. I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to catch my breath and I'll bring in the shark for his thoughts on last night's debacle in East Lansing. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) You're right over there, Agent Schmecker, whatever it is. First of all, it's kind of weird that you wanted to take that reference from that movie. I thought initially you were going to go with when Willem Dafoe is plugging in his headphones when he walks to the crime scene and he just like kind of waltzes his way through, which I think we need to make a wrinkle uh, for this show. Whenever you have a kind of a bubbling take and you have a bubbling future prediction or anything, you're Willem Dafoeing it right there. You, you just plug in and you can envision exactly what is going to happen in the future. As for this game, um, I, I think the concerns are have to be real for Michigan state at this point. I'm not ready to kind of blow them out of the water, but you preseason number one, you look this bad at this point, you're probably going to have some difficult games in the big 10. Uh, there is cause for concern in Duke, the train keeps rolling, baby. That, that's a good team. They're going to be dangerous when it matters. 
Taylor, did you have any oh, that was, thoughts on that? Sorry, sorry, I was expecting more word vomit there. I apologize. No, I figured uh, with a three-person show, you know, we should probably talk <laughs> around and have Sub talk the whole time. Uh, I, I echo a lot of Sub's thoughts, I, and I, I really think this is more of a Michigan State problem than it is a Duke uh, uh, game, I guess. I think it's more of a telltale sign at, at how bad Michigan State actually has been playing. You know, you don't – Trey Jones looked like a lottery pick, and Trey Jones is not a lottery pick. He is not a 20-12 and 12 guy. Sure about that? I, 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 well, uh, if we take – a lottery it, pick. If we take this what, one game, this was, was literally – this is was Tyus drafted? This was lit- – Tyus is be- was better than Trey is. This was probably Trey Jones' best game as a college player. Or may- – Maybe that comeback they had against uh, Louisville last year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from like 19 down. This was okay, this was a top three game for Trey Jones against the quote-unquote best point guard, best player in the country. Cassius Winston, despite the fact that they had to rely on him a lot, he didn't look good. I mean, he shot 4 of 14 from the field, you know, it, you can look at why a team struggles on offense and it has to be directly related to their starting point guard nine times out of 10, right? Or at least a lot. And you would imagine that in a home game against, you know, a good, a a really good opponent, that's where your senior all American consensus player of the year is supposed to shine. And he didn't shine at all. So this is definitely an indictment on, what Michigan state looks like this year. And I know that we always go back and forth and say, Oh, it's early season, early season. Michigan state always gets it together at the end of the year. And that may be true. You know, obviously we'll see as we go on here, but I see no indication with Michigan state right now that this team is going to get so much better that they're going to like go to a final four or anything like that. Cause I think, they, they're not, they're just not good at anything. They're not, they're really not good at anything right now. Imagine if they had Joey Hauser, if that transfer went through, that would make, that would complete that team. That would make them so much better. Give them a, a, a bona fide stretch four that could really run a pick and pop with uh, Winston at the top of the key. And we saw a few weeks ago how outraged um, Tommy Izzo was about his transfer not being upheld. But th- that that is a key ingredient that is being left out. Um, th- that's like having nachos without cheese. Jalapenos? <laughs> uh, uh, cheese, uh, cheese would be like if Cassius Winston wasn't playing. But yeah, let's let's say jalapenos. No jalapenos. Is, it, is this like a Charles Barkley nachos at Phoenix Suns game take? <laughs> they put they put pickles on it, Shaq. They put pickles on it. Was there. How, hey, Subi, how are the chips? How are the chips? Oggy. <laughs> Actually, that might be that might be Michigan State because if Cassius Winston is the chips, they're stale right now, and they're yeah, stale. They Old are and out of shape. You know, Sue, you mentioned uh, Xavier Tillman. Xavier Tillman at twenty eight and went nine of fourteen from the field. I don't think he's to blame during this game. Uh, I think maybe others like Rocket Watts going one of seven from the field was probably a little worse. Or uh, even Aaron's had zero points and one board in 11 minutes. Yeah. As a, so, you, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, not, take no, out, I, I'll take out X, I'll take out Tillman, but I'm talking about Cassius's supporting uh, cast. And we talked about this yesterday when we were talking about the game. 
Winston didn't play that well, but he still kind of sparked that run in the early second half to get them to eight. He needs some help on the offensive end and maybe, okay, eliminate Tillman. He helped him out there. Uh, Aaron's was supposed to help him. What did Aaron Henry finish with? Right. Rocket Watts. Any of these guys need to step up because when you look at them offensively, forget the numbers, forget the box score. Look at a couple of their possessions offensively. They suck. They, they can't move the ball around, They and then they get way too deep into the shot clock, and then they just rely on Cassius Winston, who's undersized as it is, to to just do a pick and roll with whoever their big man is. And then any team worth their salt, obviously a top-10 team like Duke, is going to be able to shut that down. You want to talk about Trey, or yeah, Trey Jones being uh, looking like a lottery pick? Michigan State made Javin Delorier. I'm going to stop there and repeat it. Javin Delorier looked like prime fucking Shaq. Javin. Javin Delorier. Javin Delorier was tip slamming everything. He was dominant down low. He I can't ten, believe that. He was perfect from the field and was ten and had 10 and 6 in 19 minutes. Even more so, that might be even more surprising than Javin Delorier, is our boy Baker, the great white hope. Was, was he perfect from the field yesterday? Joey B.? He he's was nasty. That, that, he's, he's a good player. He's going to be a menace. His shot, his shot is so like clean and effortless. He just is flicking it, and they were perfect. I don't know. I don't think any of his shots hit rim. I guess he did miss a shot, but I don't think any of them hit rim yesterday. That shot was just concocted. In oh, a wonderful laboratory, and nobody, a bunch of guys in white coats writing down on charts, being like, oh, "No, fix this, fix this." And he is finally let him out. And, we have that jump shot. He is Cheddar to connect. Look at the flick of the wrist because that was pretty last night. Yeah. Joey Baker had one of those plays actually where I think he lost the ball going up or he may have even gotten fouled, but his shooting motion was off and the ball still went in. It was just one of those <laughs> nights. It was one can of those just, nights, I guess, defensively. Yeah. Can I just say that I cannot wait? We need, we need Michigan State to catch a Fox game later this year to hear Gus Johnson say the name Rocket Watts. Can you imagine him lighting up from the three on Rocket Watts right there? And I'll the, leave it right there. The emphasis on Rocket. Oh, Ooh, wait. And, does the emphasis Watts. go on Watts it's or Rocket? A, it's a double emphasis. He can, he, he has two opportunities for one of his vintage Watts. Right oh, uh, it's the perfect name for him. So I, I I wonder, you know, how far does this push? I I know it's midweek, but they have three losses now. And one of them is at home. One of them's to a bad team, you know, in neutral site. Um, Put them on the bubble. I, I, yeah, maybe not that far. But how far does this push them down? I mean, so Hack, we, we talk. We Hack talk about Goodman how- was saying that they should be unranked because they lost to a team that was supposed to finish 14th in the ACC. They lost to a, and again, this is just optics. Well, maybe not optics, but. It, technicalities i should say right they did lose to duke and kentucky but goodman was saying well those duke and kentucky teams both lost at home to evansville and uh Stephen Stephen F. Awesome. so michigan he's saying michigan state should be unranked i know shark you you took a vow to a vow of like shitting on on hack goodman celibacy if you will so do you agree with that do you think they'll be unranked I'm going to honor the vow of not shitting on myself. <laughs> Celibacy is a good word for it. I, I think they will be unranked. Uh, I don't think they will be unranked, but I think they they should be unranked. This is a classic example of they started so high that people are going to be scared to drop them. I mean, we just talked about on the last episode that someone still had them at like five, right? 
or six, something like that after two losses. So that there's not enough people that are uh, TPH, right? Unless, yeah, t- unless, TPH. unless TPH pushes them like out of the top 25, they might not drop, but they completely should be. And I think what people run into it when it comes to voting is what they are now versus what they think they're going to be during the end of the season. It is a completely fine take to say this team has Cassius Winston and Tom Izzo and that they're going to get it together by March. Am I confident in that now, especially compared to, um, you know, say three, four weeks ago? No, but I'm not going to argue with someone that says, well, it's Izzo. They'll get it together. Fine. But people sometimes vote on thinking to themselves, oh, well, this team's going to get it together. And that's why teams like this don't fall. That's why Duke and Kentucky lose to the worst teams in the country at home and don't fall out of the top 10, which is just absurd to me that they, they are stay above undefeated teams, even though they lose to literally by games, the epitome of brutality, losing a by game in the words of John Rothstein. And so I think that they should be unranked, but they'll probably settle in the top that 20 to 25 range, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to be somewhere even lower than that, like 22 to 25, which is only just a couple of spots, I understand. Right. But uh, they're, they're going to be on the fringe of, of being completely knocked out. And the two big players for Duke, I think we need to to give some love. Obviously, we've talked about Trey Jones and his his incredible performance. Really, it truly was. You had mentioned that it might be his best game of his career. Uh, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that the, the ghosts of that elite eight from last year being outplayed by Cassius Winston, despite him only being a freshman, Trey, that is, uh, he carried that with him. He carried that with him into East Lansing, and this was a huge, huge victory for Duke. But let's not forget about Vernon Carey. I actually yes. thought he was the best player on the court for Duke. He was a monster down low. Nobody could stop him. Tillman couldn't stop him. Aarons couldn't stop him. Anyone that they – this the tall, beefy, white guy that Michigan State typically always has with the face mask. He couldn't stop him. They threw the kitchen sink at Vernon Carey, and every single time down the court, it was him posting up, making a nice post move, and and pretty much taking candy from a baby. Vernon Carey's very good. He's very talented, but you'd figure from a Tom Izzo-led team especially, he would get a little bit more resistance. He was getting whatever the hell he wanted down there. I just don't see the – I think the, the biggest thing is not a skill thing from Michigan State that I see this year because I don't – I think Michigan State's teams aren't typically super skilled. I think they're super gritty and tougher than everybody else, not necessarily physically but at least mentally. I don't see like the gritty, men, you know, tough it out mentality from this Michigan state team that we see that we've seen in years past. And that's really what gives me the most pause is that if someone is grinding on you to the extent that Vernon Carey was yesterday, let's take Draymond green, for example, who got his number retired. Draymond green's going to body you. If you're, if you've scored like six straight buckets, right. I don't think that's debatable, right. I think that's going to happen. Even in college, that's what made him great in college. There's nobody on this Michigan state team that you're scared about that you're worried about they're kind of a little passive they're a little passive for what's supposed to be a gritty big 10 mentally and even and physically tough team i just don't i don't see that from this team at all they're kind of they're kind of soft i think for lack of a better word am i off when i say that i personally i personally think at the moment they are soft and 
Izzo is going to give them a reality check, and I think this is a product of them reading their press clippings a little bit, uh, in, including the ones that I gave them. Preseason, I was all aboard the Izzo train. I was all on Michigan State saying that they should be the consensus number one team coming into the season, and it took a little bit for me to – to. I mean, it's taken up for me up to, up until this point to just quit on them because last week I said I'm very close to quitting on them as an elite top-tier juggernaut type program, uh, they're clearly no longer that. I mean, obviously, they're going to make the tournament. They're going to perform just fine. They're not a juggernaut. Shark, do you have any thoughts on that? It's just you're you're playing right into your, your role again. You're just reactionary to exactly what you see. I mean, you love them at the beginning of the year. They Okay, um, now they lose again, so now you're off. And then, okay, well, maybe they're going to win in a few weeks and you'll hop back on. I mean, just for once, stand on a mountain. Wait, 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 wait. Shark, Shark, where did you have Michigan State preseason? Number one, like everyone else. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, no, and also, hang on. I want to clarify that I'm off them being a juggernaut team. I said they're going to they're gonna be ranked okay, probably throughout the rest uh, of the year. They're not a juggernaut. So don't hop back on when they're a two seed in March. Uh, okay, here, that they, begs the Is that a juggernaut on. team? No, yeah, here, that, be- that begs the question. Okay, that begs the question to both of you that I'm going to ask here. So, what's... What's the ceiling, Subi? You can just go with this. Start with this. What's the ceiling for this Michigan State team? Has it lowered now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so what? So what is it? Are we talking about like? Are, am I supposed to answer in in seedings? Like what sure. I think their projections? Seedings or tournament projection, whatever you want to do. I know it's. I I understand it's December, but give me. I want a rapid reaction. What? Yeah. What's, what's the ceiling? I think they're they're a three or four seed now. And, and what's do, their do what's their ceiling? Win the national championship. Right no, now, no. Uh, no, no, I don't. No, no. no. I mean, who, in the future, I don't care about right now. Like, no, no, can, I, I don't see this team I don't think progressing so much that they're going to, because I don't think a team just uh, just gets tougher all of a sudden because they want to. I think that this, I think we have seen what this team has to offer in that regard. And they're not just all of a sudden going to get so much mentally tougher and grittier physically that, that they're going to be able to win these type of games. Well, not um, to mention, I, no, I mean, not to mention Michigan State only has one of those national titles. They've, they've had much more talented and tougher teams. Than, all right. All right. They've, right. They've had much less talented teams go to Final Fours as well. You guys don't seem to know Izzo. So we got you on record. You both don't think they can do anything. And okay. So what, okay, I never so, said they can't do so it. Shark, you asked me if their national title. Can, so Shark, what's their ceiling? What's their ceiling, Shark? National championship. You still think this team is the same? The ceiling is the same. Yes. Is Why? the floor what? is the floor different? Like, did the is, is did the floor fall out then? I mean, of course the floor has fallen out. They're not ranked number one anymore. But if you don't think this team can still win a national championship given the field right now, then you guys are a bunch of lunatics. I do. I think I I certainly think that given the field right now, if we look at the field just but based would, on what if, I'm not asking you to compare them to the like 2008 field. Like I asked you the question, do you think they can win it? And you no. said no. Yeah. No. I no. But then I just I, asked you again, given the field, and you said, yeah, they could. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh. No, I'm saying, yeah, given the field now, I definitely Especially think Especially because of the win. field. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is because the field, I think, I, I think Jay Billis needs to shut the fuck up about this whole, like, oh, this is just 2010 all over again. Like, whatever. Uh, nobody, nobody came out and was good until this time. I think, yeah, if we base everything just specifically off what preseason rankings are, and I know that we've talked about is anyone good this year, but I, we've kind of said that tongue-in-cheek in the sense that 
the teams we thought that we were going to were going to be good this year aren't good. That doesn't mean there aren't good teams though. We have people like TPH out here just crowning one certain team and riding with them in the rankings for no reason. There and are a lot of teams my, that my are that is, are better than Michigan State right now but, and I think continue to be in the future. But my point is only this. You guys are saying this because they've lost to Kentucky in the very first game of the year. They lost to Virginia Tech on a neutral court tournament, and they got lost to Duke, who is probably the best team in the country. And they, got got, buried, they got what? buried no. by Duke at home, by the way. Yeah, and okay. they lost a very – like, oh, you mean the only thing we have to prove – our actual thoughts are the results that we've seen on the well, court, and the team okay. sucks. So, yeah, well, what, 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 what a shitty, what a shitty that, argument that is. No, but what I'm trying to say is that is what you guys are basing it off of. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I think it's stupid to base it off of such a small sample size, and that is what you guys are basing it off of. So you can live with that, but I think they're not as bad as you're making them seem right now, and it is very reactionary. I'm not saying that they're bad. Right, I, I've I've said I'll, that they're I'll not say, a juggernaut. I'll okay. say that they're bad. I'll say I don't that think they're bad. I, I don't think they're a national title contender. Uh, well, here, and that's what juggernauts are. I think Kansas, which by the way, Kansas is the team that's weathered uh, all this storm. They only have they only have one loss on the year. That's yeah, a very also, good loss. They also haven't played. They also haven't played Kentucky and Duke. Two of these losses for Michigan State are Kentucky and Duke. The other I'm fine with the Kentucky Tech loss. I'm team. not okay with the Vatek loss. I'm not okay with the Duke loss. If they should have beat Duke. They should have beat Duke last night. If this was at Cameron Indoor, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Well, sure. you know, yeah. yeah. But first, you literally, first you, time you host Duke in 16 years after them, them coming just, off of SFA. And you just come they out flat as, a, flat as a pancake. Like, Yeah, I'm sure Duke losing to Stephen F. Austin wasn't a good spot for Michigan State to be in. It was a tough okay, spot you, to be in. And they were horrible in the first half. They came back in the second. You guys are overreacting. They didn't I mean, come I, back in this eight points, maybe. Okay. And I, I, I. And I think this has a lot to do with how highly one may think of Duke. I don't think of Duke that highly because I don't think of Trey Jones that highly. Who do you I, think of? Who do you think of that? Who do you think of highly? Let's ask that. Ohio State, Virginia, right. Mar- so, Maryland. Let's see Ohio State get blown out tonight, and then we'll we'll see your reaction then. That's fine. I mean, that's fine. I'm I'm willing to be wrong, but Ohio State will still have two less losses than Michigan State will, yeah, even if Ohio they get State, blown out tonight. Ohio State hasn't played the same schedule as Michigan, and that game's. And that game's on the road. And that game's on the road, which is a it's not even like a it's not even a, a an apt analogy necessarily because if this game was at camera indoor, I'd be like, Yeah, okay. So that's an apt like equal playing field. This is well good at- thing good thing Ohio State and Michigan will play and Michigan State will play each other later on this year. But anyways, so, whatever. So here's what's gonna happen with Michigan State though. Is whether they're good or not, their next five games are cake is a cakewalk. Rutgers, Oakland, Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, and Illinois are their next six games. And that's so what's you two? That's when you two hacks are going to jump on. Board no, that's what I, no, that's that, what no, that, that's what exactly saying, what I'm saying. Easy, right, that easy schedule. Right, is that everybody else is going to do that because they're going to be like, oh well, they've run off six straight. Are they back? And it's going to be like, well, yeah, they beat the sisters of the poor in the last five six games. Like that doesn't just mean they should move back into the top fifteen, so which exactly I feel like what, is actually what's exactly going to happen. Exactly what Ohio State's done so far. Exactly what Louisville's done so far. They keep winning so Ohio State's about to enter a gauntlet by the way Michigan State already lost to one of the children of the poor Virginia Tech are you kidding me they were picked 14th with their first first coach they're the last last in the conference he was picked last in the conference last year so one two years ago so and this year they're pretty low this year as well so just okay 
I don't think we're no one's going to win this argument except for me probably later on this season. But I don't think we're going to accomplish anything right now. All right. So here, again, give me a definite. You think they can win the national championship? What level of the tournament or seeding would they make it to that would convince you that you won this argument? Um, oh, you can't okay. give him that option because he's going to go like, oh, the 10 seed. Well, no, then, that, I, then, I then that's that. not. So what? Top two seed and an elite let's, eight? Let's say, let's put the over-under on a three seed. How about that? And what tournament finish? Elite eight? If, you don't, if you're not giving me elite eight, then I'm not saying this yeah. is a valid argument. Elite, elite okay. okay, that's fine. That's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a line in the sand then. I'm fine with that. Good point of contention last night this is I, <laughs> all, all michigan state had to do was even be competitive and i wouldn't have been off of them they didn't show up but all right no. okay so hold on so does that mean does that mean based off this specific result that you think duke is going to finish higher than michigan state then are you are you are you putting that much credence into duke or are you saying that this is just like an, an anomaly for michigan state I don't know. I think Duke looked really fucking good last night, and and I think the SFA game was an anomaly. Shark? I think that Duke will likely finish higher than Michigan State, given the fact that they played each other and Duke won that game. Okay. Because my overall thoughts is, I think this is more of an indictment on that Michigan State not being good, because I don't think, I don't think Duke is so good that they can just dominate supposed top 10 teams on the road. I think this is more of an indictment on how bad Michigan State looks now and then that they're not going to be able to rise so far that they're back to a Final Four uh, caliber program or team this particular year. I'll say this much. I would have never thought that the interstate rivals would be going in the directions that they are. Never thought that – I mean, we can agree that Michigan State is trending downwards while Michigan, despite the loss against Louisville, which we'll get into here in a second, is trending upwards. I don't think any of us foresaw that coming at all. No, uh, no, definitely. Let's not. talk. Yeah, let's talk about that Louisville Michigan game, though. I think we all picked Louisville to take care of business. That game also stunk, but it was a lot more competitive. And I put that in air quotes because it was still, I don't know, Louisville kind of handled it, but it, it was just a disgusting, <laughs> disgusting, hideous game where nobody could make a shot. Uh, it was a defensive battle. And a couple of thoughts that that I had from this game. Stephen Enoch and Ryan McMahon. Stephen Enoch has three double-doubles in his first eight games for Louisville. He's going to be crucial to them uh, keeping their number one number one ranking, which I actually don't think uh, will be terribly long. I think this the field, like there's no elite team, so there's going to be a lot of turnover at that number one spot. But Stephen Enoch has been playing incredibly well. And uh, Ryan McMahon, their little white shooting shooting guard from three. I really want to try and make some sort of comparison to Shark, your boy, Luke Hancock, but uh, that would just be forcing it and downright wrong. But I do love Stephen Enoch and, and McMahon. Uh, but those guys, I mean, Enoch, that's how you support your stud right there. Cassius Winston, as I said in the previous segment, didn't get much support from his, from his cast. Uh, Jordan Nwara got support from, from Enoch. Uh, I'm not sure if this tells us, though, much about either Louisville or Michigan because neither looked all that great. And so I, I, I can say, obviously, with absolute confidence that Louisville locks down defensively. Uh, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of turnover at the top, but you got to feel pretty good as the number one 
ranked team, seeing all these other teams with like Kentucky and Duke fall at home to even more inferior opponents than a Michigan uh, that, that Chris Mack and Louisville had his boys ready to play at least defensively. Uh, so those were some of my thoughts coming out of that game. Taylor, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on the Louisville Michigan game? Well, my first thought is that I want to issue an apology to both of you because in a heated uh, text, I actually said the name Justin Nawara, not Jordan. So I just want to apologize for that straight up because uh, that was a, a, a missed thumb of mine as I was uh, going through here. Uh, he was Jordan Nawara was pretty much the only player that played well last night. I I, I think I don't I don't think that's going out on a limb. Um, but I don't think that it says in agreement with you. It says all that much about either team because we knew that as we discussed last episode, Michigan was due for a dip after a very emotional ride to the, to the high top of the mountain, so to speak, but kind of echoing our thoughts again from that last episode, Michigan's now not going to fall very far because they have the, they have the, uh, uh, perception that they are really good. And I do think they are good. They're all, I don't even think they're, they're not going to fall out of the top 10, even because they lost to the number one team. And so that was the real important part about Michigan's win last week. I will say that I would like to see a hell of a lot more from Louisville on offense than in this game, because that game was, I think it was with five or six minutes left in the first half, 18 to five. That is just atrocious. And I don't even know if that says so much about uh, Louisville's defense as it says about just kind of like the cadence of how the game was as a whole. Um, you know, one team, Michigan shot 26% from the field. That's James Harden like numbers right there. And Louisville only shot 37% from the field. So I, I, I almost think it was just like an ugly game more so than it says anything about any of the either team's abilities, at least offensively. I do think Louisville is really good defensively, but I don't think they're like Virginia hold the other team to 26% for the field type of good. No, neither do I. Shark, did you take anything from that Michigan-Louisville game? Ugly game. I, everything that you guys are saying. I The one takeaway I had, and I know Nora, his numbers look good, but he in his post-game press conference – he was talking about how disrespected they were. Um, it was like just like kind of creating a narrative out of, out of nowhere. And who knows what Chris Mack's doing to get those guys to play harder. But um, Nora was referring to the soft schedule that, that they've played thus far, which I've been referring to throughout the year. Maybe but, he I just mean, he just listens to this podcast. Is what I'm hoping. That's possible. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would be humbled if that were true. <laughs> Um, well, real but, quick, let it let it be known, Shark, before you continue. Jordan Noir's dad has retweeted us before. Oh, that's true. Oh, shit, that is true. <laughs> so, well, that's pretty good. But in terms of Louisville thus far, I know with Ken Palm rankings, you know, their adjusted offense, I think, is top five. Uh, it's three, and their adjusted defense is four, which is exactly what you're looking for for some of the best teams. But I don't think I can take away much out of that game. It was a horrible spot for Michigan to be in in the first place. Yeah, I definitely take more away from the Duke-Michigan State game, given what their past Clearly. has been. Yeah, given what their past – well, there's there's other examples to what we have to say in that game. In this game, you know, you had 15 combined wins. Going into this, you had 14 combined wins and zero losses. So there's not a lot of previous examples to say, oh, this team has done this before. Um, I think that 
I would even say if this game was just two days later than it was, I'm not saying Michigan would have won, but maybe we'd see a different result. You know, Michigan was only, yeah, 48-ish hours off of 72, I guess, maybe three days there, if you want to do the math, uh, on coming off a, a pretty emotional, high emotional win in a different country. Uh, so I would say it's more of a, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it, not to use anomaly again, but maybe an anomaly onto how Michigan is going to play the, going to play the rest of the year. I think that there's, you know, there's not a built-in excuse for Louisville, and I don't know that there needs to be a built-in excuse, but you said it about the Western Kentucky game with Louisville last week. Uh, they didn't go play in a big tournament, and they were playing, I mean, they ate Thanksgiving in their homes and hung out for the last weekend and had normal practices and normal stuff. So I would have expected maybe a little more from them on the offensive end, especially in their home arena, given the, the, the time they had off, the previous games that they played. Michigan, you could easily point to whether it's right or wrong. Hey, they just flew back from the Bahamas. They won three games in three days, so on and so forth. Louisville kind of got to chill and still only came out and shot 36%, 37% for the field. Yeah, this actually goes into what I'm about to say about Michigan, and there's no moral victories, but the fact that they didn't get completely blown out, the fact that they were relatively competitive and that they actually played pretty good defense against Louisville, it's just that their offense didn't show up, actually is a, it's a good thing for Michigan because I think there were still a select few people out there that were like, well, maybe Michigan just caught lightning in a bottle. Maybe they were able to just r- rally off two awesome wins on neutral courts against Gonzaga and North Carolina. Uh, but this showed, I think, last night that they were actually pretty good and can hold their own against the number one team in the country. That being said, on the flip side, to your point about Louisville and their offensive performance, I think we just got to now can all say that Michigan is good, right? Like Michigan has sh- shown and proven that they are going to be a top tier team, uh, maybe not a juggernaut, but they're, they're going to be a top 15 team throughout throughout the entire the entire way. And so like we've all said, it's just a pretty a pretty tepid and ugly game, but those are the type of games that you have to win if you're vying for that number one overall seed, which I'm sure Louisville will be doing. Can I toss a hypothetical at you guys again for the second straight? I was going to say, you're a big hypothetical guy today. So Michigan's next game is against uh, the Brow, Luca Garza, Iowa. Is that a game that... I guess scares you if you're a Michigan fan because I was good. They not they've knocked off a couple of those teams. And where would you put Michigan if they lose? If they go on this streak, and but then they lose back to back games against tough teams like Louisville and Iowa. Well, that's going to put give us kind of a conundrum on how we feel about Michigan. Right? Is if they can't beat an Iowa and a Louisville after beating a uh, a Gonzaga and a North Carolina? Am I wrong in saying that? Shark Garza is your boy. You tell us. Yeah, he is my boy. So yeah, I, that game's Friday night. Um, definitely one I'm looking forward to. It'll be the six thirty start. It's in Michigan. Uh, if Iowa does win that game, Iowa's had a tough week. They had a nice win against Syracuse here earlier this week, and they're definitely getting hot after a slow start. I think that would probably they remain in the top twenty five. Um, but I mean, that's just going to be part of life here that for teams like this, no one's really going to emerge from the pack and what cement themselves at the top of the standings for a while, but I, I wouldn't overreact to Michigan losing two games in one week. 
Yeah, neither would I actually. And so I would be concerned if I'm a Michigan fan just because I was good, not like a trap game or anything like that. Not no, right. Not like trying to rebound off of a Louisville loss. Just even if they beat Louisville, I'd be concerned about Iowa. Because like we said, Garza and, and Fran McCaffrey, they're all very good. So uh, Michigan will have its hands full moving forward, but let's look at the flip side. If they can pull off that victory, that will that will have gotten them what three three weeks or so into the season where their only blemish is on the road to the number one overall team. Right, and nobody and like from a casual fan perspective, nobody will point at that Iowa game and be like, "Oh, that's a good win." But people in the know, like I'd like to think we are, will be like, "Oh, we'll be like, oh, that well, that's good." Well, if there's not a number in front of your name, Subi, yeah. the casual fans not going to be like casual, oh, that's sure, a big one. yeah, sure. you know. So and. And because ESPN is only employs casual basketball fans, they won't necessarily point to that as like uh, it, it'll be like the seventh game they put, they put on the docket on Friday of like games that mattered. When in reality, that game is actually probably one of the harder games that Michigan will play the entire season. So I will definitely be very impressed with Michigan, or I guess continue uh, the impressive streak that I think that they're having if they beat that team, because I think that's as good, not as good a win as their previous two, but that's probably their, that'll be their third best win of the year. Most definitely. And it'll be a conference win that you cannot undervalue conference wins as well, as well. So these three weeks they've, and I think we said this last episode, but they've done more clearly more than every, any other team for their resume come tournament time. Even if yeah. they're a bubble team, they're probably in. Oh, they're which in. I don't no. see them in. Like, no, yeah, I, don't think, in. I don't think they're a bubble team, but let's, well, I mean, let's say if some incredible losing streak happens, right? They could, they could still end up on the bubble, but these are wins that they're going to be looking at. Even with one loss, they're more in than any other team in the country is right now. Oh, because, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, right now. Yeah. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that they lose the rest of the way. Right. Like they're certainly not the best team in the country. They're, you know, whatever. But right now, if you ask the committee who's for sure in, there's no team that's, in my opinion, more for sure in the tournament than Michigan is just because even like like Shark said, Ohio State hasn't played anybody yet. Okay, fine. You know, they're undefeated. Arizona hasn't played anybody yet. Yeah, fine. Whatever. But Michigan is in ahead of everybody else so far. Yeah. So those are the two big games uh, of the night. Big 10 ACC challenge. Let's move on to some other news and notes. Georgetown. What's going on over there in Georgetown? Last episode, Shark gave us a little bit of breaking news about James Akinjo and Josh LeBlanc transferring. So Josh LeBlanc, amongst a few others, uh, received restraining orders last month resulting from accusations of harassment and burglary. The James Akinjo transfer has absolutely nothing to do with these accusations. He is not part of that, so I, I, that should be made very clear to every any theater goer that listens to this. James Akinjo is just transferring on his own volition. Uh, but Josh LeBlanc receiving restraining orders, he's transferring. What started as a promising season in the beginning for Providence and for for Georgetown is now a complete mess. Both of these teams, I think, have uh, seven losses on their record at this at this juncture. Combined, combined, combined. Yeah, yeah, combined. yeah. Sorry, combined. Akinjo no longer with Georgetown, and that's what we want to focus on. Shark, I'll start with you. This is in your backyard. What's going on there with Georgetown and, and Patrick Ewing? Not good. Uh, it's not. That's not what you want to have right 
in the middle of the season, but I think we're going to have the answer to where they're going to go tonight because they go on the road. They are 11-point underdogs against Oklahoma State in Stillwater, and I think this is going to be what, whatever happens tonight, you're going to see how responsive the team is. And by tonight, I mean uh, Tuesday night. You're going to see how the team reacts to Pat Ewing's coaching uh, because sometimes you, you have actually – it just, just came to me in the middle of it. But Bill Simmons' famous Ewing theory where you take Patrick Ewing away from the team and then the team succeeds. The Ewing theory might succeed on a team, might occur on a team coached by Patrick Ewing. Not saying that Akinjo was the best player, but he certainly probably had the most upside out of the NBA upside out of everyone on the team right now. And he's not there anymore. And Maybe the Ewing theory. That this, I got to tweet this out. This is this is crazy. So keep an eye on that game tonight in Oklahoma State. If the game, if they lose that game, I'll just delete this tweet. Oh no, 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 delete. Cannot delete the tweet. That being said, Shark, I got to tell you, uh, when you said we'll find out where they're going tonight, I definitely thought you meant where we're going to find out where James Akinjo is going to go, as opposed oh, no. to how the direction of the Georgetown basketball program is going to go. Because you were you're breaking news last. Last episode, thought you were breaking more news or playing a little coy there. I am plugged in. I'm definitely plugged in. Uh, I was able to get to that one before anyone else. It happened in real time, reported by me on the first podcast out. Um, but in terms of this game, the, the, how, if they get boat raced tonight, then I think you can pretty much tell that this team is packing it in. They have four losses early on in the season. Uh, they're facing a weird Big East at this point, and uh, there's going to be turmoil there. Plus, you got all these rumors about Pat Ewing potentially wanting to coach the Knicks. That could just really blow up out there in Georgetown and D.C. Oh, God, I would love if Patrick Ewing coached the Knicks and just drive that sad little franchise further into the ground. But So there's a little bit of – I don't want to – be the guy that cries wolf here but there are some uh further rumors on the interwebs about why the why these transfers are happening or why they left the program not necessarily connected with a kincho has to do with a lot more than just um uh you know to, uh what are the contract conduct detrimental or whatever there is theft assault uh all of that that's that some george georgetown insiders are uh hinting at um, none of that necessarily pertains to Akinjo, but the only thing I would say uh, as it relates to Akinjo and this situation is it's just a little all too convenient, convenient that it happened at one time, right? Like if he, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's just all, it, it, I, I, I kind of hated that you said LeBlanc, not LeBlanc, uh, Sorry. first off, first off, but I, I'm, a, I, that would be the only thing. Just like the 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 cynical side of me would be like, well, if you weren't re- if if your uh, reason for transferring wasn't related to the issues with the other guys, why is it at literally the exact same second? I mean, maybe maybe Akinjo just has incredible moral moral character and was like, I cannot be on the same team as these guys. I'm fucking out of here. Because I'm, uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because Georgetown has released a statement. I don't think he's been named in any police reports to the best of my knowledge, unless you're reading something different. I, mean, I understand your skepticism, but I, I think the Georgetown AD in their statement had said, James Akinjo, he's transferring. Yes, he is not part of these accusations. Both are true. Yeah, right. I, I, no, I get that. I, I And, you know, I'm generally the optimist. I don't look at the, the pessimistic or skeptical side of things. But I just think it's a little all too convenient that it happened at the same time in the same announcement 
that maybe I don't. I won't even speculate. But I just think that it's a little strange or a little too convenient that this is when it happened. Obviously, like as an Arizona fan needing another guard next year, someone we recruited highly. That would be what I want from a player perspective. But if the off off field or off court stuff doesn't match up, then then you know it doesn't make sense. But uh, so I, I want it to all be fine, and I want him to transfer to a team like Arizona. But if it's not because of this convenient timing, then I don't know what the, any of their futures really hold. So since we're doing hypotheticals, at the end of the season, do you foresee Patrick Ewing being on the hot seat? Slash, do you see him? entertaining other offers, whether it be professional or even collegiate. It so what's down to the game. It all comes down to this game tonight. tonight. I'm, telling you, I'm not trying to build this up too much, but like this first game after all these accusations, it's been thrown in the news. You're playing on the road. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll know Tuesday night. So can I ask this again, Tuesday night, because you keep, keep giving us these hypotheticals and, and Wednesday night, it's Wednesday, right? Wednesday night. Yes. <laughs> so the next, next episode, I'm asking this question then. Okay. I I would say that, I mean, is this Patrick Ewing's second year or third year? This would be his second year. Second year? Probably a little oh, earlier. No, it's, it's, oh, no, it's his third. It's third. Yeah, okay. It's third. Then, yeah, third. Third. then, yeah, hot seat. Second, a little early. Third, yeah. You know, unless they give him just one extra ounce of leeway because he is, uh, is he the best or second best player in – program history i think he's the best probably even over even, even over alan probably over him and alonzo morning okay, i would put fine. alonzo morning over alan wow okay so okay. don't forget about roy hibbert yeah, hey, don't you know, you know we yeah. need we need the guy in front of you the eighth, about, eighth, eighth reference to jesse govan oh, i can't i can't you want me to tell the story again <laughs> okay. can we just find a find a way on every every episode to for you to tell that story no, I forget. No, <laughs> um, I. Oh, whose rumor did you read that he was a candidate for the Knicks job? By the way, that's out there. That's TPH. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's TPH. TPH. Yeah, that right. yeah. I think we got to get TPH on the program. To be honest with you, well, he's almost got as many followers as as we do, so we could probably get him on. I'm going to guess a little higher likelihood than some of the other uh, esteemed voters that are out there. Fuck it, I'm going to tweet at TPH see if he wants to come on to, to see pitch. see if he wants to defend his position verbally and on a on a nationally. I think we have a I think we have a Canadian subscriber, so an international basketball podcast well you know what we got to do we got to do like some gotcha journalism ask him a question to just test to see if he learned his lesson and actually watched college basketball just be like he's good man he's leaning into it like i said he's got his mom defending him he 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 embraced it full head on he's good bring mom too we'll have to see if he did his research and listened to one of the previous the previous podcasts so that he can actually listen to us shit on him before he comes on the episode. Yeah. I don't think TPH's mom's going to really drive the listeners of the show as well. Anyways, <laughs> it's all about preparation. Oh Failing. yeah. Yeah. Cause TPH at his 1700 followers is really going to drive up the ratings. You're right. His mom just, probably has at least 1700 followers. I just want to talk to someone other, other than you two. 
but <laughs> let's let's go ahead and stay in the Big East because it is a very wide open conference, as we had discussed with Providence's early struggles, Georgetown's early struggles, uh, but it's also a, a deep conference with Creighton, Villanova, obviously the the alpha of this conference. Seton Hall, Marquette has uh, Marcus Howard, and then Butler is ranked. DePaul undefeated. I had mentioned Creighton, but Creighton also beat Texas Tech. A lot of good teams for the Big East, so we need to show them love, Shark. I know you were talking about DePaul. They're in my backyard. They're off to an undefeated start. Best part about their program, if you haven't seen him, is Pantelis Zidius. He's like their 12th man on the bench who has incredible dance moves. He's pretty much a, a broker Nico Mannion just because of the red hair and his stature. He doesn't see the floor at all, but – uh, Zidius is fantastic for DePaul, uh, and they are now n- no longer – actually, it's kind of crazy. DePaul is slowly but surely getting out of Pantelis's shadow because that's the only reason – or that's the only way that people know about DePaul is because of Pantelis and his dance moves. But Come on, man. E- what? Yeah, Paul Reed, Charlie Moore Outdoors, they got some players on that team. The now, ball. now they do. Yes, Charlie Moore on his twentieth team in college. I understand that, but I'm I'm saying they're slowly but surely creeping out of the shadow. And I'm I'm here to tell you that I love where where DePaul is going in terms of the the direction of their program. Yeah. So DePaul, obviously, huge game tonight. Probably, the, you, I don't know what you're doing in your apartment right now, Father. You should be there. Uh, massive game. They're undefeated. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to take a reaction as to what's going to happen, but they're they're good. <laughs> Tough. I mean, I uh, they they're like the, the New Orleans airport. All right, the New Orleans airport was the worst airport in America. No, by far. wrong, horrible, wrong. And I flew in there last night, and it is now the best airport in America. They are going worst to first. DePaul is going from the worst in the Big East last year to number one in the Big East this year. New Orleans airport, DePaul. Book. Is that your take? That's my take. You think okay. DePaul's going to win the Big East? Fuck it. Just for, so this New Orleans airport thing can stay alive. Wait, hold on. What happened to the New Orleans airport? Because we had a previous discussion about worst airports in the country. Yeah, so what, so Kansas what happened? City, Kansas City is the worst. Is by far the worst. They can hold claim to that. There was a conversation between New Orleans and Kansas City about what was the worst. Because it's a, you know the no. convenience of New Orleans is very nice. But the, the food options are just atrocious. Kansas City looks like a Soviet airport. It's just terrible. They they hold the worst airport in America by itself now. But New Orleans has officially removed itself from that consideration at this point, and they now have the best airport in America. I was uh, walking through that thing. But what on, happened? Uh, I'm saying, what happened? Did they recruit new like people to work no, at Zach? Is that Zaxby's or what happened? No, they just built a new airport. Like there's just <laughs> okay. a new Louis Armstrong airport. I flew into it. I was walking through it. I felt like I was in the Hunger Games, walking around. Like there's things lighting up. They got all these great restaurants. They got a Cafe Dumont in the airport. They got a Shake Shack. They got they got these cool sports bars that just only you know, they feed American American food with a little New Orleans zing to it. It's perfect. It's everything you could ever want. It's bright. It's light. You feel like you're walking on a cloud as you're going through. I loved it. Can I continue this airport talk for one second? Sorry, Subi. Uh, the San Francisco airport, actually, the Southwest Terminal, is completely redone. Amazing. It's incredible. I, I've never felt happier in an airport before than I was there. Let me ask you one thing, Shark, if I may. I hope you guys give this to me. Would you say that the new Louis Armstrong airport 
blew you away. Wow, that that's good. Um, that's to great. really bring home bring home my comparison to the DePaul men's college basketball team. Yes, it did blow me away. That's all I have. I, 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 I peaked right now. You probably just, this is probably my last episode. I don't think it's going to be, I, I don't really, think it's going to get any better uh, than that. I really hope DePaul wins their game against <laughs> Otherwise, Otherwise, they just, I don't know, a second rate airport. Not terrible, <laughs> but just, I don't know, a middle of the road type airport. A Salt Lake City, an SLC, if I may. <laughs> they get, us on, get us they off airport talk. That. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's whoa, fine. wait, wait, whoa, whoa. SeaTac's awesome. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh SeaTac takes way too goddamn long. You were there. The line, I know security I know when you I know when you were there it was under construction. Okay. A yeah. lot like a lot like Michigan State's current program. Under construction. Okay. That's my personal experience yeah. about SeaTac. You can't take that away. But <laughs> the Big East, very deep, very wide open right now with all of these teams. Taylor, in our preview, we had talked about how we think we're we're both saying to ourselves, I think. They're going to get five teams. You're saying six. And we had discussed uh, one of three teams, like one of those teams weren't going to make it. I remember Georgetown and Creighton being two of those teams. I'm out on Georgetown. No, well, Creighton very right. well made, though. If I may, that's uh, that's because of, uh, what's the word, uh, circumstances beyond our control. Okay. We didn't know. I didn't know that Akinjo was going to transfer and LeBlanc was going to, like, steal weed. That shit doesn't, that, that, that doesn't apartment. care. Highway don't care. Oh man, that's rough. That's rough. That's fine. I'll eat it. That's fine. We didn't. We didn't know. We didn't know that that Patrick Ewing was going to lose the reins on his program three years in. But that's okay. I guess I should have tried to predict that. Next time, I guess. Next time, I'll do better at trying to convince myself which program is going to. Everybody's going to get arrested preseason. Yeah, that's on, me. that's on me. I guess you got to pop the headphones in and do the Willem Dafoe and <laughs> Boondocks when he just goes crazy. There you go, Shark. Dafoe, uh, baby. <laughs> Let's default. Last year we had Preston Blaking. This year we have defoeing. Uh Last couple of news and notes. Indiana beat Florida State at home last night, a ranked Florida State team. Real quick, Taylor, I'll start with you. Is Archie Miller getting his first tournament bid with, with Indiana? I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got to be now, right? You're a third of the way, essentially, through the college basketball regular season, and you're undefeated. You essentially only have to go 500 from here to – make the tournament if you're in a major conference i know that's debatable year by year conference by conference whatever but give or take you only have to go 500 from here even uh let's take uh our brethren here in phoenix asu asu went off to a what was that 11 and 0 start two years ago i think they went under 500 the rest of the year from there and still made the tournament I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put some like ceiling on indiana but i think just from a numbers game alone that they're probably a tournament team now shark any thoughts on indiana they better be a tournament team archie miller's <laughs> gonna combust if they keep missing out on that. Uh, no I, I like him I, he i always thought he's just an outstanding coach so i think this is the year that kind of gets him over the head yeah in indiana a great win against florida state that's the type of game that in the previous four or five seasons that they lose, even at home. I mean, they've lost to, like, the Matadons. I forget where they're from, but I think it's Fort Wayne, Indiana, Indiana, Fort Wayne. Uh, so Archie Miller should have his team on the right track. And side note, everyone loves Allen Fieldhouse and, and says that's the best college basketball venue. Very well might be. It's up for debate. But Assembly Hall, in I think it's, it's Assembly Hall, right, in Bloomington? That's where Indiana plays? Uh, yes. 
goddamn, when that shit, when they're firing, when when it's a close game and Indiana's hitting big shots, no place louder. So hug for Indiana there. Uh, I'm going to correct you real quick, though. It's the Mastodons. Mastodons, not the, the Matadons. Yes, you're 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 confusing matadors and mastodons and combining those words. Also, may I have one more second to talk about Indiana? Do you remember when though every college basketball team came out with like a rap video that one year, like six, seven, eight years ago? Yeah. Do we all remember that? I think Indiana had the best. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Go look it up on YouTube. I think Indiana had the best. Couple white dudes, whatever, doesn't matter. They had flow. I think they had the best. Noted. Well, now they actually have a team that can that can win. So yeah, yeah, that was the uh, last year they actually had a team too. It was like yeah. seven years ago. So uh, Shark, I'm gonna bop to you real quick for a, a soliloquy. I'm gonna give you the stage because this is your boy. But Mizzou lost to Charleston Southern at home. I'm gonna give you a moment to talk to us about one Conzo Martin. I, it's just what this guy does. I, I tweeted out after they lost that. First of all, that is a terrible loss. Charleston Southern. Uh, uh, God damn, Conzo. But he, I tweeted out, he, he's, it's looking like he might do his um, whatever three-year annual, biannual, triannual tri- move of leaving a school after three years. He did it at uh, Missouri State. He did it at tennessee he did it at cal and he's in his third year at missouri right now and it's probably going to happen again although this time it might be involuntary because at the previous places he's always bouncing out on his own terms he the brand of basketball that he instills it just doesn't doesn't work he's not a good in-game coach he thinks trying hard and and, you know playing harder defense is going to win a game and it's just it's just not there so i feel bad for the mizzou fans i i mean He's a good guy, so I don't want to say anything bad <laughs> about him. There, he's a good person, but how noble uh, of you is he? Well, is, no, the problem. The, the problem is this because it was colored as Tennessee fans being super racist by, for trying to push him out when this did happen because they did the Bruce Pearl petition, and it just wasn't. He just was a shitty coach. Like he rode the coat. We got a lucky run in the fourteen to get to the Sweet Sixteen, and he happened to be the coach, and we we underachieved throughout the entire season with Stokes, Mayman, Josh Richardson, Jordan McRae. Like we just underachieved. Because our coach sucked. Um, it's that simple. Do you th- is is he the specifically because of the uh, Tennessee connection? Is he the Lane Kiffin of college basketball? Well, no. I think most people in Tennessee at, after uh, well, not right now because Jeremy Pruitt's been red hot at the end of the season. But when people were struggling, people wanted Lane Kiffin back. We would have taken him back in a second. Um, I don't think anyone in their right mind, whatever Juan Conzo Martin back in Knoxville. I mean, I'd take Lane Kiffin at Arizona right now, probably. I mean, I think that mentality is pretty racist, Shark. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's fucked up. Don't don't start petitions, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You Tennessee Tennessee and coaching hires and petitions don't don't mix very well. All right. Well, I'm glad you gave us your thoughts there on Conzo. Uh, let's get to some segments to round out the show. We got a new one after the break here and a quick message from our guy, Zach, at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, let's go ahead and introduce this new segment. It's going to be called Where Am I? Now, it's inspired by Hansel from Zoolander, played by the tremendous, versatile, hilarious Owen Wilson. And so if you've never seen Zoolander, honestly, go fuck yourself. But if you know what I'm talking about, uh, then I'm referencing their walk-off scene. 
and Hansel's corner man is trying to help him. And Hansel just keeps saying, where am I? Where am I? Looks very disoriented. Where am I? Where am I? Uh, so we're going to say, where am I for college basketball players? Now, these are, I'll let Shark lay out the rules, but basically think of this segment as a, where are they now? Okay. So Shark, it was your idea last episode. We're, this is going to be a segment moving forward. Kick us off with the inaugural, where am I? Yeah, so the idea for this is, you know, thinking that you can, if you listen to the last episode, you had an idea. Uh, we discussed it a little bit, but those guys that we all were very invested in when it happened, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, that didn't necessarily translate to the next level. And the caveats to this rule, the guys that we want to identify, they're not going to be people that have made a career playing in Europe or in New Zealand or in Australia or in China. Uh, these guys, you know, had a cup of coffee, maybe had played for an NBA summer league team, then tried it out in Latvia or something for a little bit. But we want guys that tried, did that run for less than five years and then immersed themselves into American society. <laughs> so when I was thinking about who we were going to do first. I, I was telling Subi this before the show. I wanted to think mid-2000s, a guy that played on a good team, wasn't their best player. Uh, everyone would know him. And initially, that led me to Josh Boone, the big the big guy on UConn with the dreadlocks. And unfortunately, Josh Boone, well, fortunately for him, he's had a hell of a career playing in New Zealand. And this guy doesn't cut it. So then I'm thinking, all right, maybe go a little later. And then I thought of Florida. Florida, that team, 2006, 2007, they go back to back. And then I come to Lee Humphrey. Everybody remembers Lee Humphrey. And I think, you know what, this guy's probably just raining, raining threes in Turkey or something right now. Maybe just being a spot shooter in Italy, but he wasn't. Lee Humphrey, and I'm going to get most of this off his Wikipedia page. He had a cup of coffee with the Washington Wizards to play on that summer league team. He then went and played in Greece for a little bit, did that for a little bit more. He actually played for, you know, several years, about five years. Greece. Uh, Juventus for a little bit. And now when you Google him, I ended up on his LinkedIn page. Lee Humphrey, head of enterprise at Pontoon Solutions in the Jacksonville, Florida area. Now, Pontoon Solutions, you go down a little bit further. Pontoon Solutions, it's an HR outsourcing company. This is exactly what we're talking about. And the fact that enterprise is in the name, everyone remembers the commercials. You are like 90% of us are going to go pro in something other than sports. This was perfect. So Lee Humphrey, you are an inaugural. Where am I? He's doing great. He probably, I think he calls games every once in a while for them. On his LinkedIn page, he's very humble. His he lists like awards and all that. He just says, you know, 2006 national champion, um, things like that. But his, he's actually very accomplished. In the NCAA, in terms of shooting threes, he's made the most NBA, most three-point field goals in an NCAA tournament play, 55 threes in 14 games, which is insane. Most consecutive games making a three-point field goal in, in a season, 39 games. And then for Florida, he's, he's their all-time leader in three-point field goals made in a season and also in a career. Do you guys remember this guy, Lee Humphrey? Because I'm of course, sure you do. Of course We're going to get a little Lee more Humphrey. obsolete as this series develops. But yeah. I, I, I can't remember. I don't remember him like setting records like that, though. Sharpshooter, man. Oh. Like whenever they would just sag on Co- Corey Brewer driving or double-team Noah and, and Horford in the post, just give it to a wide-open Humphrey. I definitely want to say that when you said that he worked for Pontoon Solutions, I had no idea that it was a what again? HR outsourcing company. We manage a client's contingent workforce in a statement for the work resources. 
like from a like from a boat do they work in a no, pontoon no, no 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 they they think of it like they're they're a recruiter so like if a company and i'm this is just i don't know anything about it but this is what i'm envisioning with the pontoon you is this say, an interview is this an interview <laughs> we're in a blender you know how do you get out of the blender you're, you're miniaturized and you have to be swimming around the blender internship reference uh but anyway pontoon solutions i'm thinking you need someone put them on a pontoon you're recruiting this float the pontoon to the new company and uh you mm. know, lee humphrey is going to be the one handling the enterprise of that pontoon float so okay. you must have you must have True. watched the, you must have watched like the recruiting video for this company. Oh. No, that is all based off of the name. Because and, if I'm the vision, I'm, I'm such defunct. a misleading I'm name. De- I'm if, <laughs> if I'm in if I'm in Florida and someone's telling me pontoon solutions, I'm like, you know what? I'm retired. I want a boat. You know who I'm going to call? Yeah. Lee Humphrey at pontoon solutions That's and he's not, not gonna, he's not gonna be any help to me at all <laughs> well this is like uh stepbrothers when um will ferrell works at enterprise he goes they give you the tools to be your own boss it's true it's just <laughs> pontoon gives you the the driving or the steering wheel and the motor of your boat to success in the hr outsourcing field what an inaugural where am i <laughs> lee humphrey so if you guys out there the listeners you have any ideas about who you want us to profile please feel free to tweet us and we don't want again we don't want those guys we don't want the josh boons that are just gods in new zealand all right we don't need that we need guys that are unheralded uh so who was the one that we were thinking of before the show already i was thinking for oak manesh but he's even a, a, a he's an assistant at colorado state yeah so that's not our lane either we want guys in our in our workforce we want someone that we're going to see at a starbucks going to work in the morning someone that's doing that and be like holy shit that's lee humphrey that was the guy that leads the floor in an all-time three that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what we're looking for here's here's a, a cross-sport example and we had discussed this as well pat angerer if you remember him starting middle linebacker for the indianapolis colts he works in insurance so Somewhere in Iowa right now. That's what I need. That's what we need right now. All right. Ah. So think along those lines. We we just need someone you remember who made a difference and is now a corporate slug like the rest of us. What a great name Anger is for a linebacker. Also loved that guy. Big, uh, pretty close friend of uh, Pat McAfee, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, I I that's how I got down the rabbit hole. But, oh. I'll digress. Taylor, kick us off with hugs. So we really should have mentioned this on the last show, uh, but I'm going to bring it to this show. Uh, I'm going to give out two hugs, actually. I hope that's okay with you guys. I'm feeling really uh, generous today. Um, hug, hug, hug slut over there. Give yeah. One hug. Show, hey, put me at a middle school, middle school social back in the day. You know, you know I'm gripping. You know I'm gripping. <laughs> so... Uh, we didn't recognize Sacred Hearts Cameron Parker, who set the D1 assist record last episode with 24 assists. Uh, the previous record holder was uh, Trey Young uh, with 22 two years ago. So definitely have to uh, hug a guy who set a D1 record uh, by in a victory over Division Three Pine Manor. Good program. Good basketball program there. They have at Pine Manor. Sounds like but, a bed and breakfast. Yeah, I, I would 100% stay at Pine Manor. Uh, 24 assists, most by a D1 player ever. Second hug, I hope I'm not stealing anybody's, which I could be, but uh, as we record, but when this is published, we'll call it yesterday, it, ESPN named Stuart Scott Day. And Stuart Scott Day, is, Stuart Scott 
UNC guy and one of the maybe the best. I'm going to call him the best ESPN personality of all time. Major college basketball fan uh, passed away several years ago at the age of 49. So I have to recognize big hug for Stuart Scott Day at ESPN. And we should all celebrate Stuart Scott Day uh, nationally, not just as it relates to ESPN. Stuart Scott, one of the more influential people of our, all of our youths. So good hug. I, I I have fallen asleep to Stuart Scott's voice more than anybody else's voice in my life, probably. On, he on probably my, gave the, go ahead. He probably gave the best Jimmy V speech outside of Jimmy V at the SB Awards. Oh, a thousand percent. thousand percent. Knocks it out of the park. Shark, you feeling generous tonight? Hugs? I am feeling generous. My hug tonight is for not a person, but a theme. Justice. I don't know if you saw what happened with Wake Forest recently, but there was an accusation against players on the team that they were using you know, racial slurs and being disrespectful to an employee at um, Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Uh, so Danny Manning did the right thing as soon as those allegations came out. He sat the players down. And then Wake Forest, they said, you know what? Let's look into these allegations a little bit. And they launched a little investigation. And in that investigation, they found that these allegations were not substantiated. So justice in this case was discovered. You know, we don't have to call a bunch of these Wake Forest players a bunch of racists. They found that there was a lot of discrepancies in the statements. And basically they said, you know what? We don't think this actually happened. So good for justice. Hug for you. Hug for justice. Indeed. I'm glad they sat those players against Arizona. Definitely. (laughs) Wait a second. Hold on. Can we dive into this a little more? Who was calling them racist at Disneyland? Who the uh, some employee at Disneyland? Basically, she said she sent a letter or a, a, some type of yeah. She sent a letter to Danny Manning that she then posted to Twitter saying that four Wake Forest players were being rude with offensive language while they were at the theme park on Saturday, and then language from oh it wasn't racial. It was uh, language from one player allegedly included a gay slur directed at another employee. So once that happened, Danny Manning sat everybody. And then they did an investigation. The AD directed an investigation, who, incidentally enough, was the former Tennessee AD that got ran out of town for hiring Greg Schiano, which was another rat. Got a lot of lot of running people out of town in Knoxville. You gotta love it. You gotta love a fan base like that. But anyways, um, they did an investigation and they found that all these statements being made by the uh, employees at Disneyland were like didn't make any sense at all. And there's, I'll put the quote in. They said, following a review of the incident that was completed cooperation of park officials we have determined that there are significant discrepancies among individual perspectives of what transpired uh, the student athletes were cooperative yada 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 and there wasn't sufficient evidence to move forward on it so isn't there is there an anchorman quote that includes justice or am i just making that up um, i don't know did, did, today we spelled justice r-o-n yeah is it like something that. like that yeah okay i'm not i'm, I'm glad i'm not i know it's redemption own. it's redemption ah uh, yeah you're right you're right you're right subi cut that out too no right. no, no no see you got feet <laughs> you know feet now dip, dip your toes oh a little yeah bit in the i water. brought up i brought up a 14 year old movie that is the only movie uh outside of super bad that i quote on a regular basis so yeah look at me theater specialist here Good film. We've Good actually refied a, refied a lot of movies this episode. Yeah, we, we definitely Step have. Brothers, that one. Then we got a little boondocks in the beginning. And we're all not bad. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to round it out with my hug. And that's uh, not to a person, not a theme, but a state. The ocean state. 
Providence College and University of Rhode Island rivalry renews again on Friday. These two teams, uh, much like Providence and Georgetown, have a combined seven losses. uh, Providence and URI both combined against seven losses. Uh, But one team will get a very tasty remedy. It's kind of like some chicken noodle soup for the soul. They're sick right now. They need a little, they need a little soup, get some soup, Vic Mackey, the shield uh, and, and, and some medicine. And this is what, this is what they're going to get come, uh, come, come Friday night. So, Hug for the Ocean State. The rivalry renews, and hopefully next episode we will have Justin Hasgard, Rhode Island enthusiast, and also the crier uh, on the program to discuss post game what happened, and then we can even relive their their interview from uh, over the summer. So, hug for the Ocean State. With that, we will end it here. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time on Theater and College Hoops.